на трибунах холеют знамена, Облака поднебесь и плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона разноцветные майки цветут. Hello and welcome back to a special episode of the RFN podcast. In our second European preview special, I'm your host, James Nichols, as always. And this week, I'm also joined by Rob and Kirill of Chelsea fan site SW6Daily to discuss Krasadov versus Chelsea on Wednesday night. Good evening, Rob. Good evening, James. And Kirill, good evening. Good evening, James. Yeah, thanks guys for joining me. And it's glad, I'm glad to have gotten here because it's we've been really excited for the for the last sort of couple of weeks or so, waiting for Krasadov to finally get the first like taste of European football that Sergei Galitsky, the Krasadov owner's long-term dream, and and it's great to have Chelsea here because Chelsea, of course, is a well-known club to those in the Russian football world. They've played in Russia. The last played in Russia in the 2012-2013 Europa League, of which the Blues, of course, defeated Rupert Kazan on aggregate, but did actually lose that second leg in Kazan, surprisingly. And against Russian op- opposition in general, they've played six games and losing that one off a mentioned match and winning every other meeting, including games against Spartak, Siska and in the UCL group stages. Of course, Chelsea and Russia are probably most famously connected, however, through the owner, Roban Abramovich, in a certain Champions League final at the Luzhniki in 2008, but I think the less said on that one, the better. To quote yourself first, Rob, in game week one, Chelsea drew at home to last season's Europa League champion Sevilla 0-0. So how was this result received in West London and how did the Blues play in general? I think depending on who you spoke to, it was a mix of some people saw it as a point gained, some people definitely saw it as two points dropped. Overall, Frank Lampard's side were, I'd say, very compact. They clearly had a game plan to try and stifle Sevilla, who wanted to play in the transition and play on the counter-attack a lot. Uh, They particularly tried to stop them being able to exploit the wings and getting the the wing-backs in behind. Acuna and Jesus Navas are big attacking threats for Sevilla. Um, In terms of, from an offensive perspective, there wasn't a lot on the night. Timo Werner looked Chelsea's most likely option. However, he was having sort of one of those nights where everything he did was going wrong. Kai Harvitz was struggling really to sort of knit up play. When Christian Pulisic did get the ball on the left wing, he was looking really promising. But unfortunately, he and Mason Mount both seemed to be dovetailing quite a lot. And that wasn't really benefiting either of them. They were swapping over. Uh, in terms of overall performance, it wasn't great. But I would say... It was solid, if not spectacular. Always good to start off with a point in the Champions League. Important not to lose your home games. And you would take a point against the current Europa League holders, I think. Yeah, definitely. And Sevilla were one of those teams where... (laughs) They were the ones where everybody would think and say, well, at least it's not the, the big teams, the elite teams. And no disrespect to Sevilla whatsoever. But they are kind of the masters of knockout football, the masters of European football over the last few years. And I winced when Krasnodar drew them. But from Chelsea's point of view, it's a good start. And and they do now, of course, have Frank Lampard in charge. So Kirill, just coming to yourself here. He's obviously, Frank is a, is a club legend and presumably the fans are willing to give him a lot of time to sort everything out after a couple of difficult, difficult years. So Kirill, my question to you is just how has Frank Lampard fared since taking over as Chelsea boss? So, yes, uh, I think that uh, right now uh, all the Chelsea fans, they split it into two camps, like after the Sevilla game, as Rob said. Uh, 
some already want Frank to be out and some say, okay, come on, just give him some time. Uh, I am in the second camp. I really believe uh, that we still need some, uh, to find some stability, some balance. Yeah, you see that uh, in one match, uh, in one match, Chelsea can score a lot of goals, and uh, on the other hand, uh, concede a lot of goals, uh, like it was with Chris, uh, with uh, not Chris, uh, with uh, Southampton and uh, West Bromwich. But if we're uh, talking about uh, Sevilla, if we're talking about Manchester United, there we are not conceding goals, but not scoring also. So uh, the balance is still not found. It's really hard to see uh, where it can be, uh, but it's Frank Lampard's job and I'm pretty sure that uh, he is suitable for that. Also, we should not forget that uh, this season is very, very tough. It's very challenging for not only for Frank Lampard, it's uh, challenging for every manager right now in all uh, over the world uh, because uh, one season just ended, uh, the other one just started, they had just one month. Uh, it's nothing. Um, most of the clubs didn't even had a preseason. Uh, Chelsea played only one game uh, with Brighton. It, it was the only friendly game. And... Uh, also, uh, the uh, the schedule the schedule is very very tough right now. So uh, all the uh, the all the clubs are playing three matches per week, maybe two matches per week, and uh, there is no time for rest. Also, uh, still national teams are playing, and nobody really understands why. But okay, it's uh, another discussion. Um, but I think that Lampard is uh, doing well. I can see what uh, he's uh, uh, he wants uh, from his team. Uh, what is the formation? What is the tactics? What uh, he wants to bring extra for his club? The main uh, thing we need right now is time. Some fans are just very impatient, and uh, that's sad. But oh. We should handle it, and also Lampard should handle it. But uh, he have uh, he has my all uh, all trust. So I will wait until uh, this season uh, at least. So that's my point. I think it's also worth probably noting that at the end of the day, whether people like it or not, Frank Lampard is in a unique position as a Chelsea manager in recent years, um, because ultimately he is arguably the club's greatest ever player. He is the club's record goal scorer. He has an incredible affinity uh, as sort of a manager. He has sort of an incredible sort of uh, reference point as the manager. And every single signing that has been made so far has come out and said that one of their big you know, one of the big USPs of it and one of the big selling points has been Frank Lampard. So I can't see the club wanting to make any changes in the short term, uh, purely just because so many of these players are expecting, you know, to play under Lampard and be, you know, part of a Lampard team. It is clearly a work in progress, and I don't think anyone would deny that. But if they can get the balance right, as we've seen in against Crystal Palace, and I think we also started to see at times in other matches this season, 
if they can get the balance right between attacking and defending, there are some incredible defenders at the club this year in sort of the development of Reese James, obviously the signing of Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma finding solidity. And if the, they can balance that with the attacking potency and quality of all of the new stars and signings, then there really is something quite special uh, potentially sort of developing there. And I think that's sort of something important to note if uh, sort of that, that makes sense. I know it obviously sounds like a bit of a cop-out almost to say that it's a work in progress having spent so much, which I know is going to be discussed a bit later. But realistically, it has to be viewed in that sort of way and understood in that manner. Yeah, it's been quite a breath of fresh air, really, to see Chelsea give Lampard the chance, give it to a club legend, give it to a young English manager. But what does Lampard implement upon the sides in terms of a, a style of play? Is that up to him or is that maybe a little bit above his, above his head and coming from the top down, uh, Rob? I mean, I'd never personally say specifically I think it comes from the very, very top. I think... Uh, you have to say that Mr. Abramovich does have a style of football that he likes and it is well documented what that is. I think Lampard has generally tried to stick to that, to be honest. Um, he favours attacking football because, as people will tell you, they don't think he can set up defensively. Uh, the past couple of games have obviously proved that wrong. But he certainly does prefer an attacking system. Usually you're looking at something uh, akin to a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 in most matches. Um Obviously, it will be 10 players and then Mason Mount, because as we know, he has to start every single match, if you listen to Chelsea Twitter fans. Um, realistically, you're looking usually at a lineup that relies quite heavily on the wing-backs getting forward and providing width, and the wide midfielders sort of also working as inverted wingers, or alternatively cutting inside and working in that sort of number 10 role. Um, at times, the strikers can be a little isolated, which has been okay when you have someone like Gajiru up top, who's a bit more of a target. But as we've seen with Werner and Abraham at times, they both have looked a little bit isolated and a bit lost. I'd say the real big thing for Chelsea is getting the balance right um, with the style. Obviously, you have N'Golo Conte, Mateo Govacic and Jorginho, who are all three very different midfielders. And I think we're still searching for the perfect balance between all of them. You've also got young Billy Gilmore, who's injured at the minute. Sadly, he won't be playing, but he's a terrific terrific talent in there and you've got people like Tino Andoran as well um, in terms of a pure playing style it's probably a pass and move possession he likes to attack he likes to dominate the ball but in recent games we have seen a bit more of a pragmatic side for him of setting up not to lose I don't think you'll see that on Wednesday I think the handbrake will be off <laughs> yeah I, I, I certainly do not expect Chelsea to go to Krasnodar and and play from the play with the handbrake on, as you mentioned, and it's that parallel between Lampard and Messiah, in my opinion, is quite an interesting one. Of course, Lampard's the second youngest manager in the English Premier League, and he's like Messiah, who isn't really a club legend. Messiah, in any means, he didn't play for Krasnodar like Lampard has, and had the career like Lampard has, but he's worked his entire time at what was Krasnodar's uh, precursor club, Krasnodar 2000, and then. Krasnodar themselves in the academy, the reserves boss, caretaker manager, and then became the full head coach in 2018. He's only 36 and he has this style of play, which is not his own. It's implemented from the top down. It's Sergei Galyetsky's dream of having the academy players starting week in, week out, a team built from the brilliant academy facilities, which is some of the best in Europe. And then playing possession football on the front foot, 4-3-3 with a number six, or, and then 
playing it short passing, dominating the ball. So that's how he wants his team to play. But obviously, when it comes to the Champions League, it's the opposite of that. We will, you will see, it's it's much more defensive. It's much more disciplined and because of the gulp and gulf in class between say Krasadar and Chelsea and even even Wren the other day it was quite evident to just how strong these teams from the European top five leagues are and exactly as you would expect another disadvantage or maybe advantage that the Premier League clubs have is is the financial clout and of course Chelsea's spending spree in the summer was largely allowed by changing financial fair play regulations and so on in order to help de- uh, clubs deal with the COVID-19 outbreak. But what do you think of these new signings, Kirill, and how have they started life at Stamford Bridge? So, uh, yeah, as far as you know, we have quite a lot of new newbies and uh, they were pretty good, as for me. Uh, not of them, uh, but let's go through the list. Uh, so Hakim Ziyech was the first one, and uh, we didn't really see him uh, in the Premier League, unfortunately, due to his injury that he had in uh, his friendly against Brighton. Uh, we thought, we all thought that it was not so serious, but unfortunately, he missed all, all, all September, and he is only now. Uh, he is uh, going and gaining this match fitness. We didn't see too much of his magic right now. Uh, he is getting just uh, some game experience in the Premier League. But uh, yesterday, Frank Lampard said that uh, he thinks that uh, Hakim Ziyech is ready to shine. He's ready for a start in 11. So I think it was a message uh, that uh, Hakim is uh, very very um, uh, there is a very good possibility that we will see him against Krasnodar Uh, I hope uh, it's the best uh, right now it's the best uh, option for him to start and to see how he implements the team how can he give uh, his best to this uh, team right now so I'm pretty sure that he will start against Krasnodar uh, the second uh, signing was Timo Werner, and uh, to be honest, it's one of the transfers I am the most happy about uh, because uh, he already shown his great character uh, on the interviews. He was very, very uh, excited about playing in the Premier League. He was uh, very confident that he can bring uh, something to this Chelsea squad, and of course, he can. And, of course, he already brought a lot. Uh, Yeah, he didn't score so much goals. Uh, He was brilliant against Southampton and he scored twice. Uh, But he didn't uh, previously, except uh, the friendly Brighton game. But uh, in all of these games, he was tremendous, really. He helped a lot in the attack. He also was not uh, afraid, uh, he was not lazy to come back. Uh, he supported our defense and uh, he really tackled well. Uh, I I don't remember uh, the striker who really did that. Even Drogba was not uh, so defensively uh, active, let's say. I'm not talking about Morata or Diego Costa who were 
always somewhere in front and Werner is coming back and trying to help uh, his teammates and that's what I really liked about him uh, in these games. Uh, also, he's creating a lot of activity in uh, the attack and he is really one of the uh, players who just um, uh, who just came and uh, started to show the difference. The second one is Ben Chilwell, uh, the one I was a little bit not confident about because we also had some nice uh, left-back options. Uh, uh, for example, uh, Talia Fico, uh, or Luca Dean also was uh, in the rumors and uh, other guys, Alex Tellius also, who joined Manchester United, they were all in the list probably and uh, they were cheaper options, but you will... Uh, came and uh, most of the time we thought okay they paid for the Englishman that is why he was so highly um, in uh, uh, he was so high in uh, the sum we uh, gave to Leicester but he really did the difference and uh, I don't remember such a solid left back since Ashley Cole in Chelsea, uh, yeah, Marcus Alonso was very nice in scoring goals from set pieces. Uh, Emerson was brilliant last August, but then he got injury and they were not stable anymore. Also, Alonso is not uh, the man who is uh, uh, very good in defense, let's say. Uh, also, Emerson sometimes fails in that. But Ben Chilwell is very good in all parts of the pitch and I am very happy to see him right now and hopefully he won't get any injuries let's say because uh, we bought him with an injury uh, then it was Harvard's and uh, most of the fans uh, they don't see any difference and they said that he's very passive uh, they don't like how he plays that sometimes he can uh, move fast or something like that but if you uh, watch closely uh, for Harvards, you can understand what genius he is, uh, how many difference he makes. Uh, he opens in these uh, open areas on open space and he's doing the difference really. Uh, so it was very well seen in the Carabao Cup when he scored a hat-trick against a very, very weak team, but okay. Uh, he really does it against any team, uh, but Sometimes you can see it also. Sometimes he needs to play uh, on the right wing. There he is not so active and not uh, making so much difference. But when he's playing number 10, yeah, that's the guy we need. And I did really like him. And as for Mendy, you already saw the difference uh two games uh, two last games and uh, he got uh, two men of the match against Sevilla against uh, Manchester United and he was very very good and he really gave the goalkeeper position the difference we needed to so for example there was a very big problem for Kepa to uh to caught, uh, to catch all uh, the crosses all uh, the set pieces we had with the corners uh, the uh, the falls we uh, conceded. Uh, it was very, uh, very tense, and we were thinking, okay, let's just not uh, concede after that, uh, because Kepa was not going out of uh, out of the post, and uh, he was not trying to catch. 
but Mendy and his height, his ability to jump, it made uh, the difference already. Also, he is very nice in uh, keeping uh, safes. Uh, he uh, has... Yeah, he had very nice saves, um, especially uh, against Manchester United. The last minutes, uh, Rashford shoots. I'm pretty sure that Kepa will con- uh, would consider that uh, because there were so many matches when Chelsea considered in last minutes uh, some incredible goals uh, that were going like you think, okay, the goalkeeper is not. Uh, it's not the fault of the goalkeeper. There was no chance for him to save that. And it was exactly the same shot Rashford did. And Mendy did save that. And that was the difference. And um, I think all of the, more or less, all of the uh, transfers we made, they already gave some uh, difference. Uh, We right now need uh, to see how they will work together with the other team, uh, how they will implement the chemistry to this team. And for that, we need time. That's what I see. Yeah, certainly. The time time is the crucial factor. But yeah, just hearing that list of names and that sort of rogues gallery of continental stars from different leagues and and all making different impacts it's just quite funny when you compare that to Krasnodar's summer business which was five players signed domestically three of which are all called Yevgeny two of which are former Krasnodar players themselves and uh, another two who can't even play in the Europa League anyway because they were signed after the registration deadline uh, Champions League by apologies not Europa League after the registration deadline and they are basically being they're the Krasnodar two team without making mentioning Krasnodar two the actual Finnl team they they'll play on weekends when the first team plays midweek. But Rob, who would you think that Chelsea's main danger men are for the tie, especially with Krasnodar potentially without a majority of their first team? I mean, it really I, I'd say it probably depends on how much Chelsea choose to rotate themselves. Uh, I don't personally expect a lot of rotation. I think Frank Lampard may look to freshen up in the forward areas with the plethora of attacking content that they have at their disposal. Um, Certainly, I think he hinted at it that Hakim Ziyech is getting closer to being able to start and obviously the Moroccan playmaker has everything in his lock. He's a terrific passer. He can shoot. He has a real good uh, delivery on him from dead ball situations, takes a really good free kick has you know some an incredible assist record to his name and I think you may well see him uh getting the nod over perhaps some other options on the right hand side. I'd also expect maybe that they may change up front and I think they may go with Olivier Giroud. Uh Giroud obviously has the real nous for uh this level. Huge experienced centre forward, one of the most underrated players I think in the world. He you know brings other players into the game with his hold up play, but he also is so good in the air. Uh, I mean, if Krasnodar are going to be rotating, potentially, you know, using lesser players, I think Giroud will look at them and will look to try and bully them with his height, with his aerial strength. The other thing is he's so good at, you know, occupying those centre-backs to give space to the likes of your midfielders. And if you have someone like Kai Harvitz in behind or even Mason Mount sort of in behind, they can really occupy and dominate the midfield. Uh, As a bit of a wild card selection, and again, sort of hinted at earlier, Ben Chilwell so far has not put a foot wrong, in my opinion, in his Chelsea career. And 
increasingly clubs are finding it difficult on that left-hand side to deal with the fact Chilwell likes getting forward. And then also that means that he can work in tandem with whoever's on the left wing. Recently it's been Pulisic, but also Mason Mount and Timo Werner's also been out there before a couple of times. And he has such a good delivery on him, but also an excellent footballing brain, Chilwell. And he's not afraid to shoot himself. So he certainly wouldn't be, you know, a total outside bet for really causing havoc to the Russians. Yeah, and causing havoc, I think, is exactly the way that my pessimism right now is is leaning, to be quite honest. Now, you mentioned that Krasadar may be resting players, and it's not so much as resting, it's just we don't really have any choice whatsoever with Yonov uh, um, unavailable due to not being registered, uh, Markov and Kabea with the, the inconclusive COVID tests they were, and then uh, subsequent isolation. Um, and then, of course, the front three of Klaassen, Wanderson, Berg all missing. Um, at the weekend, there was none of the front th- front three are first-team regulars. Only Vilhena in midfield was really what, uh, Krasadar's first choice there. And then Alexander Martinovic, who will probably line up in centre-back, who was sent off at the weekend. Uh, he's the 35-year-old Belarusian who could really... He's the only man that keeps the defence together at times when Caio and Diego Sorokin start. It's a little bit error-prone at this at this level sometimes. And and if Giroud does start, like you mentioned, Rob, then Martinovic would have a very big role in that. Rob, do you want to come back in there? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say my other sort of big thing um, that I would sort of stress is I think Chelsea are... Uh, again, this is not not playing on the pessimism, but there is a feeling amongst Chelsea fans that if they can get a game and you started to see it a little bit against Crystal Palace and you saw it a bit against Southampton before they sort of, you know, individual errors allowed the uh, South Coast side back into the game, there does feel a bit that Chelsea are due to give someone a good, you know, a, a good walloping and to go ahead and show what the attacking talent really can do. They scored six against Barnsley in the Carabao Cup a few weeks ago and that could honestly, you know, have been 10. There were so many good chances. They should have had a blatant penalty as well. Um, and it does sort of get the feeling that Wednesday may be as good a day as any to sort of, you know, do that and really put a marker down in the competition, which is something I think Lampard will be keen to do because I don't think so far in the Champions League, the results have all been very solid and credible. Probably the most sort of, you know, impressive ones being the 1-0 away win in Amsterdam last year when Chelsea were very much sort of, you know, seen as the underdogs. And also the 4-4 draw against Ajax, although that obviously had mitigating factors of the two red cards, but was still an impressive result nonetheless. But it still feels that Lampard's waiting for that real hallmark sort of standout victory at the European level to really say, you know, Chelsea have arrived again and are back to compete. And whilst Krasnodar obviously might not be the toughest level of opposition, we've already seen last week, you know, with results like Shakhtar Donetsk against uh, uh, Real Madrid, that at this level you can't take any game for granted. And every single team is here on merit. So although that might come on Wednesday and Chelsea might get that, you know, result, I think they could be in for a difficult game, personally. So if it was Krasnodar's first team, I was I would certainly agree. But with the extent of the issues, the selection issues that Krasnodar face, I can't help but agree to to agree to differ and continue to be to be so pessimistic. Uh, Kirill, just coming to yourself quickly now, do you think? Any of Krasadar's current lineup, obviously those missing permitting, could cause Chelsea any problems. Is there anything anybody you fear from a Chelsea perspective? Yeah, uh, as a 
Russian guy. I also check uh, the crusted how they are going, and of course. Uh, I think in Russia, Krasnodar is one of the clubs that is mostly beloved, um, mostly because of uh, the person of Sergei Galetsky. Uh, and we're also trying to check. And uh, as far as I know, against Spartak Moscow, the last match they had, uh, they uh, were not able to introduce something like 10 players from the starting 11. Uh So it was very, very tough for them. Uh, and also it's a complex of problems, COVID, injuries. Uh, some of them uh, also had, as far as I know, tonsillitis. So <laughs> every plaque that was uh, uh, able to run down into Krasnodar, it did run uh, to them. Um, so I still don't know whether Cabela is able to play, uh, Musaev tomorrow will uh, tell us, uh, but due to UFA protocols, uh, he is not able, but, uh, for example, for Ronaldo's, uh, for Ronaldo, they found a solution and maybe he could, maybe for Remy, they will also find out. I still remember this guy from... Senentian because I do like uh, Ligue 1. I am a big supporter of Lyon also. And uh, Kabbalah always uh, had uh, made some uh, problems for Lyon. Uh, he was very good. And now he's a very, very big star for Krasnodar. Unfortunately, he had a big injury last year. He, they bought him, I think, in 2019. And uh, he was out mostly for the year, but now he made a really difference. And if he starts somehow, uh, he is the biggest threat, 100%. Uh, but as for others, I did like Ramirez uh, in the game against Ren. Uh, he was uh, pretty solid. Uh, he was like a, a fullback uh, that was uh, transforming in the midfield and He really uh, covered uh, both of the positions and uh, he was one of the best players except one guy who was on the goal that night, Safonov. Uh, he is now in Russia. He is almost like an ultimate star because uh, he made a couple of great saves. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, really everybody right now in Russia, uh, who loves football, they know Safonov because of this game yeah. against Ren. And uh, to be honest, he was really very solid that night, and uh, he can make the difference. Uh, as Rob said, um, I also expect uh, a big, big uh, transformation of the squad of the starting 11. I see that Many of the guys who were in the starting 11 previously, they will get some rest. Uh, Giroud is a very good point. I even didn't think of that, but I'm pretty sure that Olivier, yeah, he can really start um, and he can cause some problems. But if Safonov uh, will perform like he was performing against Ren, Chelsea will need some extra good moments to win this game. 
yeah, and it's it's nice to see that a little bit of hope from Krasadar's point of view, if the majority of that is through, is through, to be honest, the star performances of Matvey Safanov so far. But what I've been really quietly impressed with the Krasadar and this this little run they've had already in the Champions League is is what they've learned from pr- years prior. Uh, of course, last year they went out the Europa League quite ignominiously at the end and, and lost 5-0 away to Basel. They lost 3-0 away to Hetafe. In in both of those games, they tried to match up their opponent. In both of those games, they played to their philosophy, which I can only respect them for doing so. But in that situation, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. They should have shut up shop a little bit more. And Musayev, maybe it was forced with the injury issues, with having to play four fullbacks, with having Smolnikov and Ramirez's pace down the wings as a real actual outlet. Uh, he changed up his strategy. He changed up his tactics. They played very much like a a four four two in defence, and it was a two solid banks of four. And they didn't push. They didn't press too high. They were wary of getting runners in behind. They were wary of Sorokin and Kyle Pantaleon's inexperience and and the proclivity for that one sort of clangor. And Masayev himself has learned more from Krasnodar's recent failings in Europe, and he's proving that this season. The problem is, is Chelsea have got such a star-studded squad, and as as you mentioned, Kirill, there's such a huge, long list of injuries with Berg, Olsen, Sorokin, Stotsky, Kabir, Klaassen, Petrov, Wanderson, Ari, all out. It's just looking beyond me, Kirill. What do you think? Do you want to jump back in here? <laughs> Ari, they were tremendous in their career in the Russian Premier League. And I'm very sad that they're not participating in this game. You are always uh, wanting to see uh, the best um, option uh, for your opponents when you face a good team, especially when you know that you should win it. <laughs> but it's better to have an opponent that is uh, fully uh, powered, let's say. yeah. Uh, but um, still, um, there are some problems. Yeah, there are there are lots of problems, let's say, for Krasnodar. But I still believe that they are very good uh, team emotionally, let's say. Uh, they had these problems all the time i think that if we speak about medical stuff uh, medical department of krasnodar it's not it's not working so good and uh, uh, for the star players they always all along the season they have two three star players out of uh, the squad i don't know how it works but they there are very rare matches where you can see the full squad in so Uh, maybe there is a problem with that but even if uh, they have a lot of problems they still uh, can rise up emotionally and uh, psychologically and they can win matches they sometimes reverse so many matches Um, I remember two years ago I watched their game against Zenit and they were losing 1-0 and in the end in like seven minutes, they turned it around and won to one. Uh, just two substitutes, they made all the game and their passion, their aggression, their uh, 
they really wanted to win that game. And if uh, they are coming against Chelsea motivated, and I'm pretty sure they will because Chelsea is a top club and they would like to share some points or just take some points from Chelsea. Um, so I'm pretty sure that they will be um, motivated until the top and uh, they will show their best football. And that's what can help Krasnodar to draw or even to win this game, even when Chelsea have uh, has so many star players. Yeah, and every game at this level now for Krasnodar is is very much a learning experience for the club. They're only 11 years old. It's for Gilyitsky. This is his long-term dream of what he's wanted for so long, and, and he's finally got there. But it's not going to be all sunshine and roses. But hopefully all that we ask from Krasnodar is that they just give a good account of themselves as they did last week. Uh, with everything that's going on, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. The pressure is off. And just like Loco last week, the, when the pressure's off, surprises can't happen. And if we're going to move on now, of course, this is the Russian Football News podcast. And coming from that Russian perspective, you can't not talk about Chelsea and not mention the owner, Roman Abramovich. So, Rob, what is the current state of affairs with Abramovich in charge? Is he, doesn't he still reside in Israel? So, firstly, uh, while we're here, I think it's important to say a... Not slightly related, but definitely for a well-filled happy birthday to Mr. Abramovich, if he's tuning in. Um, It was his uh, birthday earlier this week. Obviously, a big uh, day to celebrate. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the win against Manchester United to cap it off. But uh, in terms of state of affairs, there was an awful lot of um, punditry and speculation and column inches devoted to the fact that Roman was no longer committed to Chelsea, that the fact he couldn't get his British sort of visa sorted um, was meaning he wanted to sell up. Various names like uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe at Ineos, who currently owns Nice, was suggested. And, you know, various suggestions were put forward that he was going to sell up. Um, I think, if anything, the whole the coronavirus period in the last summer has just completely put pay to any of those rumours. Uh, I've have to, you know, mention the unbelievable work that Chelsea and from the top have done both in supporting the community, keeping the hotels open for NHS staff, providing meals, a number of the players sort of doing their own initiatives, the club themselves doing a lot of content. Um, it's a really, really important sort of, uh, you know, thing and something I feel very strongly about. Uh, just while I'm also here, I would like to say in on a slightly unrelated note, but with P- uh, PPV, if any Chelsea fans are listening and thinking about PPV, then instead of spending your money on PPV, can I recommend you have a look at, at HFF, uh, HF Food Bank on Twitter and donate your money to them instead. It's a much better cause. Uh, returning to Mr. Abramovich, he does still reside in Israel, but I think it's quite clear that he is still you know, hugely involved in Chelsea. Uh, I'm told by people close to the club that there is absolutely nothing, sort of, you know, nothing has changed. If anything, he's even more involved. The fact that you've got the ex-players in there, the likes of your Lampards and Pedacek in there, who are sort of, you know, very much Abramovich men. And it feels like that it's going to another period where he just wants to sort of win trophies again. And Chelsea are back to, you know, spending money, making the rest of the world hate them. Um, and looking to, you know, go and try and win all the silverware again. And I, I personally, you know, from a fan point of view, I always believed that there was never any doubt that Mr. Abramovich was committed. Um Again, people talked about Lampard being a bit of a cop-out appointment last year by him. So, you know, if you sacked him, 
he got the blame. If he kept him, you know, he got the plaudits. I think that's really unfair. Um, I think it's very hard to disagree with a lot of things uh, Mr. Abramovich has done for the club. Whatever you think of him on a personal level and you know where the wealth has come from, you can't deny he's always done his best for Chelsea Football Club. Um, and the fact of the matter is the club wouldn't be anywhere near where it currently is without uh, Mr. Abramovich. Um, and long may that continue, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And if there's one thing that Abramovich is, it is a, a stupendously large football fan. He adores football. And Rob, if you just want to mention that again, the the, the name of the food bank, just so everyone can, can hear again. Yeah, so it's the it's the Hammersmith and Chelsea food bank at HF Food Bank on Twitter. Uh, I'm already donating my, my money. I was having the PPV for it because I think it's outrageous that we're being charged extra for it. I don't know, you know, what people's personal opinion is on it. But I'm lucky enough to be in a situation where I am fortunate enough to not need this support, but not everyone is like that. And in times like this, it's amazing to see that football fans have really come together and supported this. And it'd be great to see Chelsea fans getting behind that, you know, initiative. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone get behind things like that. We we shouldn't live in a world where where food banks exist, but unfortunately we do. And the people who do these things they need the most the most vociferous support and and deserve all the credit that they get for doing so because it's just brilliant, brilliant volunteering work. And I, I absolutely, absolutely echo those feelings, Rob. So I just wanted to just get a little, get a little shout out there again for them and uh, get them a bit more, uh, a bit more uh, that advertising. Is that's the correct word for for their cause? Now we'll just move back on to to football again. Now, Kirill, I, I presume that we can, I could probably predict the answer to this. But um, what are your expectations in general for Chelsea in the Champions League this year? I wonder what are your expectations uh, for my answer? <laughs> Winning the Champions League? Huh? <laughs> well, at the very least, I was expecting uh, uh, I, far into I, the knockout. I am not so optimistic <laughs> uh, in winning, uh, of course. Yeah, uh, but if we speak about the group stage, yeah, definitely Chelsea should go out because uh, um, the group is. Uh, mm, more or less fine. It's not so easy. Uh, there are some traps for us, but I do believe that Chelsea should uh, qualify, and I hope it will be the first place. Uh, the match against Sevilla was uh, a preparation for a new evolution of Lampard's football, I hope. So we will see a much better display on the uh, game in Spain. But against Krasnodar and uh, Ren, uh, Chelsea should try to get all the points. Yeah, uh, you will never know it's football. And uh, we will see how it goes. But more or less on the paper, you can see that Krasnodar... Uh, I I do like Krasnodar, I do like Ren, but uh, uh, Chelsea right now is much bigger club and much stronger club with um, so many star players and I hope that we will get all the points from them yeah more or less yeah. I, uh, we will see how it goes it's football and every match is uh, a separate one and uh, everything can happen in football but we will see at least if we go, uh, if we run out of the goalkeepers, we still have better check. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it should be fine. Uh, but as for going uh, next to the knockout stage, 
it depends on which uh, club we will get. Yeah, uh, last time we got Bayern and it was very tough. They uh, really put their inform uh, in uh, the last uh, in the last months. Uh, I think February and March were one of the best. Uh, uh, of their months in football also summer was tremendous for them they won almost everything uh, i think they didn't lose any game at all so for us it was no chance uh, even after <laughs> 3-0 at stamford bridge it was uh, already done uh, for the realistic fans not for the guys who are still believing that uh, 3-0 uh, is not the end of the world. Yes, it's not, but not against Bayern in that type of form that they showed. So I hope that uh, in knockout stage, at least at the first round, we will get an, an easy opponent that uh, we did have last year. <laughs> And at least quarterfinals, I expect from Chelsea, if... Uh, we will get a good one uh, after after all. Yeah. And meanwhile, from Krasnodar's perspective, I think this is just about getting their feet wet in European football and in the top, most elite level. It's about the learning experience, playing teams like Chelsea. We don't, to be frank, I'm not quite sure many people at Krasnodar honestly expect them to get through this group. Um Did hope. It's always hope. You never know in these competitions, but they're a very intelligently run football club. They have been for a very long time. One of the leading lights in Russia about how the game is is supposed to proceed and and how things should be done behind the scenes. So, but then again, um, of course, Chelsea and Sofia are just far too good for Krasnodar right now. What do you think, Kirill, from Krasnodar's point of view for their expectations for this season? Yeah, as for Krasnodar, I think they have quite a nice chance to get to the Champions League, uh, to the uh, knockout stage. Meh, who knows? Uh, how uh, does uh, Sevilla plays against uh, Rennes? But as for Rennes, I think they are not so good after all. Yeah, they saved most of the star players they had, but... Uh, one of the most, uh, one of the best uh, players they had was Edouard Mendy. Uh, that is a part of our squad now, luckily. Uh, and uh, you can see it already from the Krasnodar game. Ren was not so nice. Uh, also, the goalkeeper is not so strong. Uh, so maybe Mendy uh, was able to uh, to do something with that, but There is no chance for the one who is staying in the goal right now. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Krasnodar should aim at least for the Europa League for the third place. Uh, it's 100% possible. Uh, also, Sevilla now, also the Spanish football is uh, very uncertain. And uh, I think we can see right now the beginning of the dark times of Spanish football. Yeah, maybe it won't be, but uh, that's my opinion. I can see that Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, they are not so good right now, uh, exceptionally beating the Liverpool against uh, <laughs> uh, when Atletico played them last Champions League. But 
all in all, they're facing hard times, especially after Corona. They have uh, very little money to spend. Uh, they need mm-hmm. uh, to sell their players, especially it was uh, seen by Valencia. They had uh, they suffered really a lot. And um, Sevilla, I think uh, they will also suffer a little bit. And Krasnodar can be... Uh, I hope that they will get some of the stars at least uh, for the next matches Yeah, against Chelsea. I hope they will lose three points <laughs> as a Chelsea fan. Uh, but I think for another uh, games, they can battle. And they can battle for the uh, highest positions. Yeah, maybe uh, the second place will be a huge, huge surprise. But a third one, I should. Uh, I think they can take it. And I hope they will take it. And I will support them a lot for that. Yeah, yeah. So, fellas, it's a little bit of a tradition here in the RFN podcast that we finish off our previews with a quick, fun score prediction. Uh, Rob, you first. What's what's your score prediction for Wednesday night? So, because I think that we haven't ever kept three clean sheets for since the you know Antonio Conte era, I'm going to have to go Krasnodar to score. But I feel that Chelsea will comfortably come out with a win. Uh, I think it will probably be three or four one on the night, uh, no doubt probably conceding an own goal through some place of ridiculousness because we can't have Edo Armendi getting some confidence up. <laughs> and Kirill, what do, what do you think from scoreline point of view? Uh, it's hard to predict and most of the time I am uh, failing with that because I'm doing for CW6 uh, some predictions and I'm never right <laughs> uh, for Chelsea at least. Uh, so uh, it depends really on the starting eleven we will have, but mm, maybe, maybe uh, it will be two 0 to Chelsea. I hope that Ziyech finally can shine. I hope, yeah, probably. Um, also, I am expecting Giroud, and uh, when Giroud comes, he is very hungry for goals and very hungry for playing the club football. Uh, I hope him to score. I really liked him, for example, against Dynamo Kiev uh, last uh, season when we played in Europa League, and he was he was really hungry for goals and he was scoring a lot at the time. He was uh, the best striker, as far as I remember. Rob, uh, if I'm not right, you can interrupt me. Uh, but I think yes, and uh, he was. The best player in Europa League uh, that season, but they give the award to Eden Hazard because he was the most trapped player. There's no problem for me, but uh, Giroud deserved it better. So, uh, that's it from my side. I also wanted to add a little bit about uh, Belarus. You know, now the politician um, system there is uh, very, very poor. Uh, and uh, right now they have strikes all over the country from this uh, from this Monday, so from 26th of October. And uh, you can ask me how can they get money from uh, if they are striking, they are not getting money. So if you want to support any of Belarus people because they're doing the right thing, I can tell you because I'm half Belarusian. So yes. Uh, uh, this president is a tyrant and they, they should uh, sack him, let's say. 
so if you are in to help Belarusian people, you can go to uh, BIY Solid Found or just text me. I will uh, certainly give you a link and you can help these people. And I will be very proud. Uh, I am already very proud from my Belarusian side and I hope that someone will give uh, them support except me uh, i already did that and yeah that's it yeah absolutely i echo those thoughts entirely what's what's been going on with belarus with with uh, lukashenko and all the the, the des- despot despot of despotic actions is a uh, is quite frankly disgraceful um but everybody knows this uh, situation in europe even in russia uh, they are not aware of the situation right now uh, yeah they know that there are some strikes but i know the whole story and uh, lukashenko was a tyrant since uh, uh, since he came he killed a lot of people uh, who were against him and uh, right now he's whole nation doesn't want him to be a president and he should go that's that's it and they want him to go already for five ten years at least so let's finally hope this will happen i fully support them yeah absolutely solidarity with all the protesters in in belarus and and if you want to get in touch with providing some support to belarusians who are of course going out without their money and and safety right now and we'll we'll put you in touch with Kirill himself and you can share all the relevant links there for sure and it's it's good to see that the belarusian uh, political situation is, yeah. is getting support from some of the belarusian footballers based out of russia of course as the listeners will know now that belarusian players and others from the eurasian economic union are are nat- naturalized in russia and and people such as Ilya Shkurin and alexander martinovich krasnodar's captain of both refused to to support Lukashenko. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of the Belarusian sportsmen. I am very proud of the Belarusian uh, media uh, guys who are resigned. For example, we had a commentator on the Belarusian football uh, uh, sports channel, Belarus 5. Uh, his name is Vladislav Tatur. And he is also supporting Chelsea. That's why I know him. He's a very nice guy, and uh, he resigned from uh, this channel uh, until uh, Lukashenko is resigned. And uh, I very support uh, his decision, and I'm very proud of all Belarusian uh, guys who are supporting uh, the strikes. And uh, I am all over with them. Yeah, unfortunately, I cannot go because I am. Uh, I have a Russian passport. Uh, yeah, I can go to Belarus. Uh, but it's not possible for me due to the company policies and so on. But I try to support them, at least in the social media. And <laughs> I will be happy if you join this donation thing. And I will be happy to support you with helping other Belarusian guys. Yeah, of course. And to, to finish off our, our little message here, um, we do have an article on the site uh, by Gies Ferrix just about how the Belarusian players and, and football and community have actually spoken out against Lukashenko and have provided support. So without trying to plug or anything anachronistically, just if you are looking for more knowledge on the subject and a little bit more self-education and information, which always helps, more you know, the more you learn, the more you learn, the better you are. Um Look up on the site, it's playing and protesting Belarus football community and RPL players speak out. 
And of course, once again, Robin, Kirill, uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Everybody, if you go to go check out the SW6 Daily podcast for all uh, Chelsea musings and the website. And, and Rob, where can everybody find you and your work online? Uh, you can find us all on at SW6Daily on Twitter and on www.sw6daily.com on the website. Yeah, there are a lot of content. If you uh, if you want to, to see articles, if you want to see some videos, if you want uh, to have some nice wallpapers from Chelsea, yeah, that's it. Uh, everything on our Twitter. Also check our YouTube channel. Yeah. If you are a Russian fan, somehow, if you listen to me, yeah, YouTube channel for Chelsea, Chelsea News, you can also direct me. <laughs> I, I am there for all Russian fans, uh, Russian-speaking fans uh, for four years already. Yeah, of course, guys. I was, as I was just about to say, Kirill, that's uh, Chelsea News on YouTube, isn't it, for all Russian-speaking Chelsea fans? Yes, that's it. Also, if you are on Telegram, yeah, we have a social media like this. It's like a WhatsApp, but much nicer, I would say. Yeah, so if uh, if you are finding a more, uh, a more secure messenger, you should also check the Telegram. Uh, I'm going for both of you guys also. Uh, we also have the news channels. Uh, it's a very, yeah, it's a very nice app. Uh, to join and there I also have a, a telegram called Breakevens so if you want to join for Premier League news, for Chelsea news 100% secure 100% uh, pure ones yeah, you can join uh, and we can also chat there that's it yeah guys, just thank you both for joining me again today yeah, thank you for invitation thank you very much Everyone else, just keep an eye out for the next episodes of the RFN podcast, and that'll be coming on, on Friday morning, and we'll be reviewing all the European games, and then some more RPL domestic action, including Spartak's table-topping adventures, a potential resurgence at Kimki, and then Ruben and Rotter's surprise victories over Zenit and Local, respectively. And that's it for the RFN podcast. Goodbye for now. Веди его, беги, точнее его удар Но мяч берет в ноги решительный вратарь Не напрасно футбольное поле Самых ловких и смелых плечок Здесь нужны тренировка и воля Быстрота, увлечение, расчет